This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za. Blessed, beautiful, wonderful afternoon to you. It is myself, Lauren Jacobs, on Voice of Change today here on K Pulpit. I hope that you've had a wonderful and are having a wonderful Thursday. Did you tune into the show last week? I certainly hope you did. What a phenomenal show as we were joined by Leah Jones and Andre Stain, who are our cricket girls. And have you got your tickets yet for the Women's T20 World Cup that's going to be happening in South Africa, like I keep saying this year? It is so exciting. And obviously the launch kick off you know batting off match or whatever we want to call it launches on the 10th of february at newlands cricket ground and it is so exciting tickets on sale for 30 rand and uh, at the moment that 30 rand special is a half price deal and we really need to support our girls but enough of that because that was all the action from last week but you know it's still ongoing we still want you to be able to support our women and our women sports people who are making such a big difference in our country who are raising the flag high who are just incredible i hope that you've also been watching the under 19s the women take on the crickets it's been actually quite interesting to watch i know that you know when i was younger and in school there wasn't the world cup for girls under 19s especially when you come to cricket and sport like that so it's so exciting that we are seeing these changes but on to today's show what is voice of change about today it is going to be a fantastic fantastic show because on the show i'm joined by elizabeth from open door south africa and we're going to be talking about the 2023 world watch list that is just being released the last few days and many of you maybe get the open doors newsletter so you know exactly what i'm speaking about and that is fantastic but elizabeth is going to be unpacking the world watch list with us today the statistics are alarming on what is happening with christian persecution in the world and not only the world but family here in africa it is really, really heating up. Elizabeth is going to be touching on that with me. And I'm also joined by registered counsellor Kelly, who is going to be joining me. She's in Cape Town. She does individual counselling for young adults and she's based in Constantia. She's very much an advocate for authentic self-love using cognitive behavioural therapy. Kelly is such an incredible woman and she's actually going to be talking to me today about the effects on our mental health those effects that load shedding is currently having on our mental health now i want to say that we are probably sitting going oh we are stuck with load shedding we don't need any bad news one of the things i've been thinking a lot about because i've been witnessing this in my own life in the life of my family and friends that we are actually struggling mentally and emotionally with load shedding because we know that our family lives are having to change and our work lives are having to change our sleep patterns are being affected and so i invited kelly onto the show because she is like i said a fierce advocate for self-love and also for taking care of ourselves so not only are we going to be saying this is what load shedding is doing to us it is it is proven but also i want to give you some tips and tools on how to just safeguard your self your heart your mind your emotions and that of your family during load shedding we are not powerless in terms of how we can take care of ourselves during this time that we find ourselves in and that we might be in for some time so it's going to be a wonderful show lots to share with you stay 
stay tuned with me, Lauren Jacobs, for the next hour. Cannot wait to be with Elizabeth after this. When we talk about the persecution of Christians, we know that it's something we hear often about, but it's something that we really need to, as I always say consistently, that we need to pay attention to. And now, just recently, just last week, we know that the World Watch List 2023 was released by Open Doors. And joining me today is someone who's going to be speaking about the World Watch List. And I want you as the listener to really turn up the volume now and just tune into listening to myself and Elizabeth, who's joining me from Open Doors South Africa, as we get in to what we are seeing with persecution of Christians around the world before we get into that. Elizabeth, so good to have you with me again. I know just you know, a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about children being persecuted for being Christians. And now we're talking about all of our brothers and sisters in the faith. And it's so good to have you back with me. Thank you very much for the opportunity, Lauren. I really appreciate it. Now, with the World Watch List 2023, maybe for one of the listeners, I'm sure that the listeners know about what this is, you know, but for those who maybe don't know, what is the World Watch List all about? But on the World Watch List, the launch of the annual World Watch List as such, is the most important thing on Open Doors calendar every year. So we launch our World Watch List every year in January. The World Watch List is a list that shows the top 50 countries where Christians experience the worst persecution for their faith. And it aims to create awareness of the hardships that persecuted Christians face every day. Mm. Now, the, the list is compiled after doing a worldwide survey to monitor how difficult it is to live as a Christian. Mm. You know, it was the overall trends showing what life is for Christians on a daily basis. Mm. And unfortunately, the list shows this year once again that the persecution of Christians has risen at an alarming rate all over the world, especially in Africa. Right. Now, I can tell you the World Watch list, as I said previously, is compiled on an annual basis. It contains information for the period from 1 October 2021 to 30 September 2022. Mm -hmm. And it came out for the 30th year in a row this year. The first list was produced in January 1993. Oh, wow. With countries, yeah, with countries' overall persecution scores that are in an amalgamation of six different scores, which are pressure levers in private life, family life, community life, national life, church communities, along with violence levels. Now, I can also say the list uses extensive research mm. with data from open doors field workers, their in-country networks, external experts, persecution analysts, etc., to quantify and analyze persecution worldwide. And each edition every year is certified by the International Institute for Religious Freedom. Mm. I think that's so important to say. This is a list that is compiled through extensive, as you said, research. It's not just exactly. going, oh, we heard some things happening. Yeah, we heard something happening. No, these are people working 
in the field and as well as it being certified. And that is so incredibly important. And and what I want to say about this that maybe we need to understand is that this can also help us not only realize that persecution is happening, where it is happening, but can also help put pressure on lawmakers in certain countries and areas where they can realize Christians need greater levels of protection. And this is something that is happening. Now, I wanted to ask you, Elizabeth, you know, you mentioned we have 50 countries that are, you know, going from one through to 50. If you can share with us, what are the top 10 countries that we are currently now seeing in 2023 where persecution is incredibly high and, you know, maybe from one through to 10? And if there's anything alarming in that or has it relatively stayed the same over the last year or so? Unfortunately, it didn't stay the same, Lauren. It increased extremely. Um, I can maybe, let me start with number 10. Number 10 is Sudan, which was in the 13th position last year. So it moved up three positions. Then in the ninth position is Afghanistan. Now, what's interesting about Afghanistan, Afghanistan was in the number one position last year. But despite Afghanistan moving down right from number one to nine, the sharp drop offers little cheer because persecution in this country remains at an extreme level and it's worse than ever. The large drop in its ranking is because convert life has gone deeper underground. And this Mm -hmm. created a bigger challenge to obtain verified violence data. Now, after the brutal Taliban takeover in 2021, many Christians were executed as Mm -hmm. the Taliban went door to door to root out believers, you know, and then many Christians went into deeper hiding than before or fled overseas. And in 2022, the Taliban's focus shifted from rooting out those with links to the old regime to Mm. rather get them, you know, instead of uprooting the small number of Christians remaining. So the fact that it moved down from one one to nine is not positive at all as it's worse than ever. Then in the eighth position is Iran, which moved up one place from number nine last year. Seventh is Pakistan, which also moved up up one position. Sixth is Nigeria, which also moved up one position. Now, Nigeria, what is interesting about Nigeria is that Nigeria is the country with the worst violence score of all 50 countries. So in in the violence section, Nigeria is number one, you know. And the persecution of Christians in Nigeria is absolutely ridiculous, you know, with militants from the Fulani, Boko Haram, Islamic Mm. State, West Africa province, and others such as even ISIS, you know, conducting raids on Christian communities, killing, maiming, raping, and kidnapping for ransom or sexual slavery. So Nigeria is in a very serious position. Then in the fifth position is Libya. Libya moved one position down from being fourth last year. Then in the fourth position is Eritrea, which moved up two positions. Then third is Yemen. Now, Yemen moved up from number five last year. Mm. Then second is Somalia, which moved one position up from number three. And the country in the first place is once again North Korea. Mm. Now, North Korea was in the top 10 for all the years, you know, and it was in number one for many years. In fact, it was number one for 
20 years in total from right from from 1993 now i'm lying sorry from 2002 until 2021 and then for one year it was dethroned by afghanistan which was in number one last year and then north korea slided back into the first position this year now this year saw the highest ever persecution score ever in north korea it reflects an increase in the arrests of Christians and more underground house churches discovered and closed. Now I can just clarify, arrest in North Korea means execution or life in one of the nation's horrible, inhuman camps for political prisoners, mm. also known as labor camps. Their prisoners face near starvation, torture and sexual violence. Now, the new rise comes with the enforcement of a new law that they installed in North Korea. It's called the so-called anti-reactionary thought law, which basically criminalized any published materials of foreign origin in North Korea. And this includes the Bible, of course. Hmm. Hmm. Sure. This is in this is incredible because when we're talking about North Korea, I actually just oh. uh, spoke to somebody just recently who came back from South Korea. Now we know South Korea is a completely different place to North Korea and how people were saying how beautiful South Korea is, how beautiful the people are, how incredibly warm and friendly they are. And we're thinking just across the border of that country, North Korea, we know for those who have been keeping an eye on this North Korea with, you know, its gross human rights violations that it continues to be doing is, is keeping them there in this number one position for over, you know, almost 20 years, as you said, it's over 20 it, years. Over 20. It lost, yeah, it's the twi- it was 20 years in Afghanistan for one year and now North Korea for, so it's mm. their 21st year now in the number one position, you mm. know. And uh, it also shows the persecution is the worst ever since the lists were started 30 years ago. Yeah. And that's wow. now worldwide, not just in North Korea. Mm. And today, more Christians than ever are murdered for their faith. Mm. And Elizabeth, one of the things that should startle us, I mean, we've only spoken about the top 10. That's probably all we're going to get to today. But we know we're going to share at at the end of our discussion how people can go and access the full list. But one of the things I think that should startle us is that a lot of the countries in the top 10 are in Africa, on the African continent where we live. And we have people from Nigeria, for example, like you said, worst violence score out of all the countries. We have many Nigerians living in South Africa who are pastors, who are leaders, and and looking out probably from South Africa up and going, wow, this is happening in our country. This is happening to maybe their own family members that's left behind. But, you know, this should really stir us. We're looking at places like Sudan, Libya, Nigeria, Eritrea. We're looking at Somalia. We're looking at these places and saying, this is on the African continent. Oftentimes we go as missionaries to different countries. How should that really startle and awaken us as the church in South Africa? What should this be saying to to us, what is the message we should take when we look at this? Lauren, it should startle the church in South Africa to a great extent, you know, because unfortunately the persecution in Africa is getting worse and worse every year. Mm. And as I mentioned, Nigeria is number one in the violence section, you know. I can maybe just, before I move deeper into Africa, just give one more number from the general statistics, just mm. to put it into perspective as well, you know. The list found 
that more than 360 million Christians worldwide mm. suffer extreme or very high levels of persecution. Mm. And that is a rise of 20 million in two years' time. In the top mm. 50 countries alone, 312 million Christians now face very high or extreme levels of persecution. And now mm. this number represents one in seven Christians worldwide which is up from one in eight two years ago. And if you further breaks it down, it shows that it's one in five from Africa, two in five from Asia, and one in 15 from Latin America. So you can see, you know, oh, also I can also mention that the um, number of Christians who, extremely, who have extremely high persecution, the countries nearly doubled from 40 countries in 1993, which is 30 years ago, until now to 76 countries wow. who suffer very high levels. And as I said, in Africa, it's one in five Christians that mm. suffer very high persecution. So it's absolutely horrendous, you know, and violence against Christians in sub-Saharan Africa has reached alarming new levels mm. as violent Islamic militants destabilize the region and they use extreme violence to do this yeah. you know as i said with militants from fulani boko haram islamic state west africa province and others doing all the things now the statistics show that sub-saharan africa faces a vast humanitarian catastrophe mm. as a wave of religiously motivated violence nurtured in nigeria mm. has now swept across the region targeting Christian populations at an alarming rate in countries such yeah. as Mali, Burkina Faso, Niger, and Cameroon. And then also, you know, the clear signs of jihadist expansion, which are visible in countries like Mozambique. For example, Mozambique yeah. also entered the list about two, three years ago at number 50. Last year, it was number 40. This year, it's up to number 32. Wow. You know, which is our, our neighboring country. Yeah. The Democratic Republic of the Congo, for example, moved up to number 37 this year. Wow. Now, just another number to give you perspective of how serious this is. Religiously motivated killings in Nigeria have risen from last year from the number of 4,650 mm -hmm. to 5,014 this year which is a staggering 89% of the international total. Mm. And then hundreds of thousands more have been forced into internal displacement or have become refugees. Mm. This year has also seen the violence spill over into the Christian majority south of this nation. And, mm. you know, jihadist violence is becoming commonplace across Sub-Saharan Africa with 26 mm. countries in this region scoring very significant levels of persecution. Mm. There is a cost in following in following Christ, in following the Messiah. And this is what this is what we are seeing. But oftentimes people say that in the way of going, yes, you know, and the Bible says to us and, and Jesus himself says that, you know, persecution will increase and that we will see this happening. And sometimes people's uh, you know, kind of perspective is well the Bible says that it's going to happen. We see scriptures relating to this. So it is what it is. But Elizabeth, there is, you know, because it is what it is, doesn't mean that we need to accept it as it is. There are things that we can be doing. And how should we 
be as Christians and not only in South Africa, but around the world, we are, we are looking at this world watch list. We are seeing and hearing from you as well. The alarming statistics, the increases that we are seeing. And, you know, is this about praying and really interceding for our family that is being persecuted? How serious do we need to get about praying and about being active in this area so that we're not just saying, oh, it is what it is. It's prophesied. We accept it as such. Now, Lauren, you talk about prayer now. If we from Abendorf go and visit our persecuted brothers and sisters in these countries where the persecution is so high, and we ask them, what can we do for you? How can we help you? How can we support you? Then the first thing they ask for is prayer. Mm. Above any other things like financial help or whatsoever, you know, the first thing they ask is prayer. And to just realize then again how mighty prayer is, you know, the power mm. of prayer as an instrument to strengthen them in their faith. You know, and they realize from their side, although they're far away, they realize and they feel that we as their family of faith, that we pray for them. And that strengthens them. That helps them mm. to stand strong in their faith, you know, and to yeah. clinch onto their faith and to know the Lord is always with them. The Lord will never leave mm. them, nor will, for, will he forsake them. So prayer is extremely important. Amen. Amen. Elizabeth, I want to say thank you so much for being with me. And in closing, where can people go and have a look at the World Watch list so that they can read all about what is happening? Not only just, you know, hearing about the top 10, which we discussed today, but looking at 50 different countries. And there's a prayer map as well. That's part of that, that they can, you know, have a kind of a tool and a strategy to know how to pray into persecution. Where can people go and access that list and get it for themselves? The best way listeners can get involved is they can go to our website, which is www.opendoors.org.za. Let me just repeat it, www.opendoors.org.za. Now, if they visit the website, a pop-up window will appear immediately with the info about the World Watch list to lead them into a next window. So they can just click there to view and download the full 2023 World Watch list, the profiles of all the countries in the top 50, right through from number one to number 50, as well as the persecution statistics, Mm -hmm. you know, and then they can go further and they can request to get a special prayer map Mm -hmm. about the World Watch list. So if they request to get the prayer map, it will be sent to them and to show them points where they can pray every day for the persecuted church in these 50 countries, you know, points from different countries on the list. And then they can do, that's ideal for your individual prayer time, you know, when you're on Mm. your own with the Lord during your quiet time. It's ideal for using in your church, for example, in your cell groups, Bible study groups, for example, you know, at any religious gathering, for example, Hmm. like a women's ministry, maybe. So you can use it in all kinds of ways, you know, to pray for the persecuted church and to get involved. You can also find other ways to get involved on our website by clicking on on the, yeah, you know, by just browsing the different links. 
Thank you so much, Elizabeth. You know, this is the information that we want to be sharing today. And so you as the listener, you know exactly where to go now. Go on over to Open Doors and go and grab that World Watch List. Read through it, share it, as well as use the prayer maps as Elizabeth shared with us. And Elizabeth, I want to say thank you so much for being with me today and for sharing this important information with us, for challenging us as well as to know that we need to be praying people who pray for our persecuted family. And I want to say thank you for being with me and as well as all the blessings for Open Door South Africa and worldwide for the incredible work that you all are doing. Thank you so much. Thank you for the platform that you give us, Lauren, on your station. And I also want to wish all your listeners a blessed year. Amen. Thank you so much and take care. Thank you. We all know that just this week, ESCOM has told us once again that as South Africans, we can expect stage two to three, you know, happening for probably at least the next two years. Now, if we're thinking about stage two to three load shedding for the next two years, we know as South Africans, we are suddenly and have been saying for quite a while, this is enough, enough is enough. But suddenly it's really getting to a point for us where we are beginning to realize there is a great cost involved. And it's not only an economical cost, a financial reality cost. It's not only the impact it's having on our small business or on our families, on our home lives, on, you know, when we're working from home and we have to use our computers and load shedding is happening, we can't use it, we have so much downtime, things are happening that's causing us to feel a lot of anxiety. But we are realizing that there is a greater cost, that of our mental health. And we cannot overemphasize the fact that when our mental health is affected by something Often we need to try and take some form of control. So now joining me today to talk about mental health and the impact that load shedding is having on our mental health as South Africans across the board is therapist Kelly Jacobs. Now, Kelly, welcome to the show today. I know that you have so much to share with us and this is such an important topic. So welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Lauren, and thank you for having me. I do agree it's something that's affecting every single one of us as South Africans, no matter the differences that exist. So thanks for bringing it to light. Well, you know, it's it's so interesting because I was seeing some things that you were sharing on social media and people have resonated with it, which is sad and good. But again, what really are the impact on our mental health, on our mental state, when it comes to load shedding, you know, we've got sort of so used to this word and, uh, you know, that app that comes up on your phone and goes 55 minutes, you know, then your power is off and it's like you hate that message. But there is really this greater impact. What is happening to our mental health while we are currently facing this reality of load shedding? It is terrible, firstly, that it's an experience that we can all relate to. But what happens to our mental health is exactly that feeling of when you get that notification that comes on your phone 55 minutes left, your brain responds in the exact same way as if you were in or perceives it as if it's a dangerous situation, which triggers the fight or flight response within your body. And immediately your body activates this kind of like survival mode where you're consciously getting ready for or feeling anxious because you're feeling getting ready for the unexpected. Let's put it that way uncertainty because even when there is a schedule in place and as far as possible we try to maintain or stick to those schedules 
the stages change so suddenly, whether it changes to where it downgrades on a level or whether it upgrades on a level, it makes it very hard and difficult to plan. So we're mm. constantly in a state of uncertainty. And as human beings, naturally, I don't think there's anybody that loves being in a state of not being in control or feeling out of control. Mm. So it activates the same survival mode and nervous system responses if we were in real danger and physical danger. Mm. I, I have this experience every time that notification comes on <laughs> and I, I, there's like that panic. I mean, you still have literally an hour, but it almost feels as though, like you're explaining to us, something happens inside of you that kind of telling you, I have five minutes. There's this yeah. intensity of emotion that happens. Now, what we also need to talk about is the anxiety that is caused. Of course, now we know load shedding is going to happen. We get this notification. Then it is load shedding. And sometimes we face, we have been now faced with sometimes four hours, four and a half hours of it going off at that time. What else is affected in our lives, you know, when we have this ongoing load shedding? We're almost happy when we have two and a half hours, which we shouldn't be feeling happy about. But, you know, that four and a half hours is just a nightmare. What is happening within families, within businesses, and how does this affect your mental health? I think one of the great things that we can all agree on that it does affect in both your physical and mental health is your sleep deprivation. Because exactly as you mentioned now, four hours is quite a long time period. And sometimes that four hours comes at the most inconvenient time, six mm. between 6 p.m. and 10 p.m. or even the 8 p.m. to 12 p.m. slot. Mm. It's such an inconvenient time and it's a way it disrupts your sleep patterns. And that lack of sleep, sometimes it causes a lack of sleep, sometimes it causes you to sleep a lot longer than what you usually would, because you're gonna force to sleep with load shedding, there's nothing to do during that time period. Mm. But that disturbances in sleep can have a profound effect on your mental health overall. So whether it's for small kids, whether it is for us as adults too, it can have a profound effect because it now disrupts your eating patterns, it disrupts your sleeping patterns, you're not getting sufficient sleep, you may be getting too much sleep, which of course leaves you feeling a lot more depressed mm. and these heightened feelings of worry and anxiety as opposed to what we would normally feel in our everyday lives. A lot of the circumstances that we face in our everyday lives, we tend to have different methods of coping with it. But when it comes to load shedding, it's something that it happens so unexpectedly. Exactly as you mentioned earlier, the centers change so quickly. Sometimes you can't prepare for it. Mm. So you just can't state of heightened distress more than anything else i think we across the border of all families we feel the effects so differently yet so similarly at the same time mm. and there's almost that feeling of helplessness and Absolutely. i think that that is such a chaotic feeling in life where you yeah. just feel completely helpless and that helplessness yeah. connects with the sense of powerlessness you can't do so, anything to change the situation which links into certain feelings of anger or you know again anxiety uh, even depression and i have noticed in people that there is you know a heightened level of almost fear because what you were referring to earlier on as well you're in that sense of oh my goodness this is a fight or flight experience because your brain is registering it as such and so is your nervous system so it's the sense of I'm helpless, I'm powerless, I can't change things. I'm now feeling angry, but I'm also anxious. And we know that anger turned inward leads to depression. And I've also heard parents saying that their children 
especially little children, are struggling in the time slots that you mentioned as well. It's their bedtime. They don't want to go to sleep when it's you know dark. There is a fear in some children with that. So again, it seems like there is a lot of effect on us across the board when it's families, businesses, children, you know, even small business owners, workers. It's it's quite a struggle that we find ourselves in. Absolutely. And I think exactly what you mentioned now, it's a general set of feeling out of control. Hmm. I mean, there's so many things that is or very unpredictable in everyday life. To some extent, we need to feel as though we're in control at some portions of our lives. And with not having something as basic as electricity, which we need to function for almost all of our appliances, for everything that we do, whether it be work or our living and personal life arrangements, we need electricity to function. It's one of those being necessities. I mean, that's taken away from you, Ellen, a sense of unpredictability around whether you're going to have electricity or not. Of course, it's going to leave us feeling in this constant state of worry and distress. And exactly as you, you had mentioned, this helplessness, because it doesn't feel like there's much that we can do to gain a sense of control in the situation with what's happening with ESCOM and the gate to cause or the systematic issue that exists, mm. which has a significant effect on our mental health of law. Mm. And again, you know, it's almost, I feel as well, highlighting the differences between, you know, the poor again and the rich. And that's also something that's a, probably a topic for another conversation because I've met people who have said, well, they're not really that affected by load shedding because they have solar, they can afford solar. Uh, you know, it's just slightly sometimes a little bit of an inconvenience, but not that much to them. And then you really have other families and people, ordinary everyday people, I include myself in that, you, you don't have access to those kind of things. You don't have access to solar or inverters or things. So you are worried that your food is going to go off in the fridge because you have to buy then more food. And, you you know, there's, it's highlighting these differences as well, which is, again, like I said, a topic for another conversation. But, you know, even though this is our reality and now we're probably feeling a little bit low because we're going, well, low chin is going to be with us for a few years probably. So now I'm feeling <laughs> even more anxious. But Kelly, there are things that we can do, right? There are tips and coping strategies and mechanisms that we can use. Can you share with us some so that we can pick ourselves up again? <laughs> Absolutely. As hard as what it is to find some hope in the darkness, quite literally, and um, there are certain things that they can do. So I know that the ESCOM stage is strange quite frequently and it's really difficult to stay up to date. I try to at least keep in the or create some sort of routine or schedule for yourself mm. as far as possible. I know it's easier said than done with the change that's constantly happening. But one important thing that can help with regards to your mental health is trying to keep a regular sleep routine and pattern. I know that it complicates it when the stage is strange. But as far as possible, if we know that the lights are going off at a certain time, whether it be earlier or later in the evening, as opposed to what you used to, try to keep at least a consistent bedtime schedule. So you use that time when there's no electricity to dim the lights, have your candles on, create a calm environment space to mm. try to relieve it of the fact that there isn't necessarily all of the digital devices that do directly available to us as usual. Even using that downtime of where there isn't electricity as a meditation time or a time to reflect or for journaling or any self-care activity that doesn't necessarily involve 
um, electricity appliances or devices that we would usually use. So maybe try to schedule that time as intentional self-care time to fill it with these activities. Mm. Try to plan activities for the downtime of load shedding where it doesn't necessarily involve appliances. So for example, if there's a book that's been sitting on your shelf that you've been needing to read or <laughs> meaning to mm. get to, be great to use that as a time to catch up on your reading or spending quality time with your friends and family and planning for those time periods. So it's little tips, little nuggets. It's very difficult, um, especially with the changing schedule, but it's how you use the time where you know that you're not going to have the electricity. It's a great opportunity to use it for self-care. Mm. We have a message that came through here. Uh, someone said that she uses this time to play some board games often with her children. And especially that's easy to do on weekends or using it to swim or sit by the pool. And uh, that's quite nice because it develops that family time, a little bit of, of time where, like you were saying, we don't have access to our devices all the time or we can't then maybe be watching the TV or be on the computer or be doing something and we can use it as a bonding or family time. And that's that's something else that people have discovered. And thank you for sending this message. And, you know, it, that's something else that people have discovered and said, wow, you know, it's it's actually creating a little bit of a bond between me and my, you know, family members or my children or my husband. And maybe we can flip it a little bit like that. We're not saying except load shedding and what we know is happening in our country. We need to raise our voices, but to guard our mental health, we also need to just take ownership and say, we're not as helpless to change our immediate environment. We can do something about it. And Kelly, your final message to people who are struggling today with the load shedding, who are feeling despairing or feeling a little bit angry or feeling, how do I go about doing this? I feel out of control. Your final message for them today. The quickest way to feel in control or one of the skills that we use in counseling at least to gain a sense of control is to focus on your breathing. I know it sounds simple, but mm. just to focus your awareness and your attention on your breath can help to gain a sense of control for what's happening internally and inside of your body. So I know that load shedding is a massive issue and it is something, once again, as you had mentioned, that we do need to raise our voices about where you can within your own space and mental capacity focus on your own mental well-being by doing activities of wellness such as meditation focusing on your breathing and trying to regain a sense of control of your internal world especially mm -hmm. when the external world feels so out of control mm -hmm. but mental health definitely matters and it's a great opportunity to redirect your energy and attention mm -hmm. to how can you actually promote more wellness and mental wellness in your life in particular during the times of kind of being forced to when we don't have the same accessibility to our devices as we usually would. Mm. That is such important, important tips and important points that you raise there. Kelly, I want to say thank you so much for being with me today, but for also being a blessing to the listeners for uncovering this reality with us, but also teaching us a little bit today and empowering us to say, we are not as helpless as we think we are. We can do things to safeguard ourselves. I even feel a little bit more calmer after our conversation that it is actually going to be okay. You can get through this. So Kelly, thank you so much and God bless you for all the incredible work that you are doing as a therapist as well. Thank you so much, Lauren. Thank you for having me. It's such a pleasure. Take care. Me too. Bye. 
Now that you know what you can do to just safeguard your mental health when it comes to load shedding and that terrible time when we get that notification, 55 minutes until load shedding, we know that there are tips and tools that we can use and that we are not powerless. But again, we also have to consider what is our role in not being powerless, not just in our mental health, but also in making the change that we want to see in our town, in our city, in our suburb, and ultimately in our country. And especially when it comes to the power situation, we know that it's going to be an ongoing struggle and a fight, but that we are not powerless in everything that we have to do. And right now, as we continue to fight for our rights in South Africa, let us safeguard our mental health and use those tips and those tools make a time of relaxation, time of prayer, time of spending with your family, if this is possible. And I really do pray for everybody that has a small business as well, running it from home. I know because my family members are in this situation and just seeing the anxiety and the reality of what it means to be without electricity when you are facing deadlines, when you are facing clients. And I really pray that God's strength will be with us and that he will also provide for us alternatives as we continue to struggle with this reality of load chaining. I also wanted to really encourage you once again to go on over to opendoors.org.za and grab the World Watch List. I've been thinking a lot about the World Watch List and the different countries that are mentioned and the different things that we see in those countries from human rights violations to violent crimes against women to persecution in general terms of Christians and we need to be people that really do take this seriously it's not just a thing of going oh these people are persecuted and it's going to happen but it's about praying we always talk about prayer but sometimes we just doubt the power that we have of prayer because prayer is such a natural part of our lives that sometimes it can become something that we almost don't see the power in it the beauty in it the reality of it may God break our hearts and stir our hearts for our families around the world who are being persecuted for their faith and I want to say again thank you so much to Elizabeth and Kelly for joining me on the show it's been so super great and I've just really enjoyed getting to learn on how I'm going to be dealing with load shedding because it is something that everybody is talking about and I want to end off the show with saying it's okay if you sit down with your friends sometimes and you get to that coffee shop and you're there for a coffee and you start off the conversation with complaining about load shedding. And I've been hearing this around me quite often. People complain about load shedding and then go, oh, I'm so, so sorry. We're all in the same boat. I shouldn't be complaining. It's all right. If you need to complain and vent to your friend, even though we're all in the same boat, it all affects us differently. So you know what? You're allowed to voice your opinion. It's been so good to be with you. Can't wait to be with you next week where I invite a well-known author, Conalyn Cossett, onto the show to share with me about her journey with cancer over the last two years. It's going to be a good show and a blessed one. So until next week, take care and blessings of shalom, shalom, lots of peace. This insert was brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za.